I've reported other people's stories for a long time, confronting people in power. But behind this broadcast voice, I've hidden my greatest secret. I was in an abusive marriage. It lasted a year, but it changed my life. Part of me always blamed myself for what happened, and I've lived with the shame. So many of us live like this. It's time we change that. I'm Anna Maria Tremonti. Welcome to Paradise is my story. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I was confused what to do with my life, so people told me to listen to my inner voice, and now I have schizophrenia. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. I mean, it is so painful and so funny at the same time. And, and how did you feel when they laughed? I felt supported. A mic drop moment from a brave and vulnerable young man. Oh, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. This is White Coat Blackheart. Hi, my name is Kalpit Sharma, and um, I am very excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. And um, I am just um, a guy who loves people and wants to see the world become a better place. So I'd say the stage is sometimes works for people, sometimes works against people. It gives some people the stage fright. For me, it, it boosts my confidence somehow. Was there always a stand-up comic inside you? Oh, I was always a class clown. I was, I loved making people laugh. It just, And I didn't really care if people were laughing with me or at me. I just wanted to see um, my classmates, my friends, Everyone around me, my family, love. You've been through an incredibly painful series of episodes. And I want to know, how do you get to a place where you can take the worst thing that's ever happened to you and and laugh about it? I guess it's about accepting the pain. Like The realization that I had personally was that I, I didn't give it that much power. Because as soon as I let psychosis or schizophrenia take power over me, that's when I know I've lost the battle. I treat it as war when I'm dealing with psychosis. And uh, I have to be very um, cautious about my moves that I play, the strategies that I have in mind. And like it's a series of battles that will eventually make you win the war. Got an interesting view. Yeah. All the sports arenas. The war, yeah. as Culpit put it is with his newly diagnosed schizophrenia. Your feet might be cold. I'm thinking of that while taking in the exquisite view of the Rogers Center and the CN Tower from an open-air balcony of the 33rd floor condo he shares with his brother, Rishikant. I'm also dealing with my fear of heights and the danger I sense. You see that building over there? This show is about Culpit's episodes of psychosis and his frequent and heavy use of cannabis that likely triggered them. There's the CBC building, so you're not far from I've seen this in my other job as an ER physician. Like Culpit, around one in five young people in Canada, some as young as 16, use cannabis every day. Some use a lot of it. That's it. That's us. Cool. Our show today zeroes in on a risk about which you may have no idea. Culpit certainly didn't when he started smoking cannabis heavily, shortly after coming here from India to study psychology at York University. So you arrived in Canada in September 2018? Yes. And the next month, cannabis was legalized. What did that mean for you? Party. 
party yes uh, that's what it meant like uh, as an 18 year old um without really knowing the consequences of cannabis when all you've heard so far is that cannabis is not harmful at all there is uh you can't die from smoking weed and um you can't get addicted to it just all these myths if i can uh about um uh, cannabis that they were they were just fed into my head and i believe them without doing my own research about it and i feel that is the mistake i made back then kalpit wasn't old enough to buy weed legally so he got it from a friend at what point were you able to go into a cannabis store and purchase as much as you wanted that happened when i moved to aurora uh so i'd say that was 2020 and did your consumption go up at that point yes it did i didn't know what i was smoking i had no idea what thc meant i just knew higher the better which is not true at all i would like to mention that thc stands for tetrahydrocannabinol the key psychoactive ingredient in cannabis thc causes euphoria it makes you high other active ingredients cause sedation and drowsiness the issue today is how much thc is too much back in the 80s health canada says the cannabis available had roughly 3% thc Today it's routinely around 15% and can go a lot higher. So I would just go in to the store and um just try to get as high uh, percentages of THC as possible. So you would actually ask them for higher percentages. Uh yes. Why why would you ask for higher percentages? What were you noticing about your experience? I was noticing that I was getting higher for longer. I was feeling more numb per se. and i liked the feeling of being numb which is why i was smoking weed and you wanted to feel that way all the time yes did you some people feel tolerance they experience tolerance where um the the same amount of thc doesn't give them the same effect that it used to give them and so they push the dose higher and higher was that what it was with you i'd say so uh because it was not only the percentage that was increasing it was also the amount that was increasing so as i was doing let's say half or one joint in 2018 that bumped up to like three or four joints in a day health canada used to have a warning label that said quote regular use of cannabis can increase the risk of psychosis and schizophrenia end quote but in 2019 they removed it saying they did so to refresh messaging to make it more reflective of population level guidance Were there warning labels on the packages that you that you purchased? There is a small logo if I recall that says warning THC. But you know how what I firmly believe in what should be done is warning THC can cause potentially cause psychosis. So that wasn't written there at all. I do not think so. One thing you'll notice with weed is uh they'll come up with uh creative names for the weed. I would I would just pick whatever had the funniest or the a name that stuck out to me for example black widow black widow yes and that somehow made me think of uh the marvel character and i'm like this is amazing i'm a cool guy i'm smoking weed right now it's bright and early um it's start of the day and i'm starting my day off with smoking some black widow i'm living my life On one occasion, a cannabis shopkeeper tried to steer Culpit away from high THC cannabis. He bought it anyway. 
Then came COVID and Culpit's cannabis skyrocketed. That's when the story takes a very disturbing turn. What was the earliest indication that you had that you were having symptoms that might be due to cannabis-induced psychosis? You didn't know what it was called at the time, but you knew you weren't thinking right. I was on my bike and I'd gone to the weed store to smoke. I smoked and I was on my way back and the chain, it, it came out of the bike. I was somehow uh, speaking to birds and they were guiding me with the way they were moving, that how I should put the chain back on the bike. And somehow I managed to put the chain back on the bike and that sort of um, fed into my belief that that the birds helped me out. And like I can speak to animals, um, I can speak to birds and like this is, I have this sort of superpower. And the very first time you hear a voice, it's like very, um, I'd say, dangerous because you think that's reality and you believe it with your heart and because you, you've never known anything different. And if if you're hearing voices, you just think that's your inner voice as I'd said. Right? The voices culpit and no one else heard are called auditory hallucinations, a hallmark of psychosis. Voices that became more intrusive and more insistent. I was driving and the voices said, take it. And it was a left turn. And it was a very risky left turn that I took. I shouldn't have taken that. I listened to my voice, the voice in my head and I put my life at risk and others at risk as well. Up until this point, had you connected your marijuana use with these thoughts that were going on in your head? Um, yes. My brother actually told me that it is the marijuana that's causing this. So I should probably stick, stay away from it. And did you take his advice? I did. What happened? I mean, I stopped smoking weed, but the voices, the delusions, the paranoia, that didn't go away. It didn't go away? No. You must have been disturbed. Very. Disturbed because he was having what psychiatrists call a psychotic break. The good thing is that unlike other patients, Culpit took his brother's advice and sought medical help. His family doctor referred him to CAMH, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto, where he had his first appointment. I told them everything that I was experiencing. They asked the right questions. They knew what was happening with me before I even could describe it to them. And so they just said I had psychosis and the ground slipped beneath my feet. We'll be right back. I'm Keith MacArthur. Unlocking Bryson's Brain is a podcast about my son, the rare disease that keeps him from walking or talking. I mean, Bryson's perfect, but his life is really hard. And our family's search for a cure. Oh my gosh, maybe science is ready for this. It's part memoir, part medical mystery. We can do just about anything. Modifying DNA. My heart and my throat. Cure is controversial. Unlocking Bryson's Brain. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to White Coat Blackheart. This week, Culpit Sharma's episodes of psychosis and the escalating use of cannabis that triggered them. He had several huge risk factors. He's male, less than 25 years of age, heavy daily user of high-dose THC, and, as Culpit is about to reveal, a family history of psychosis. 
Combined, they increased his risk. Still, it came as a shock when a caseworker at CAMH gave him the diagnosis. You were stunned. Yes, I was shocked and uh, just the preconceived notions that I had that I'm going to be looked at differently. I'm going to be separated from society. I'm not going to be like my parents' culprit ever again. I do know someone in my family uh, who has experienced psychosis and um, that's, who, that's who I thought of when uh, I heard that I have psychosis. I, I didn't really understand it well enough what was going on. It was kept a secret, which now that I think about it is so wrong. Like had I just known what caused it, how it happened, everything, maybe I wouldn't be you know, talking to you about psychosis. Yeah. The secrecy and the stigma Culpit talked about had another effect. It made he and his family reluctant to start medication as recommended. They did agree to try cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. A few months later, things got worse. That's when I went to India for a wedding. And there was just a lot of people um, that had seen, seen Culpit in a different lens someone who's smiling all the time, who's joyful, who's playful. And all of a sudden they see this dull, still guy who's with no expressions on his face, um, who's just looking around and who's in his mind all the time. That disturbed me so much. And I would think that the people around me are saying the worst things to me. I'm just getting a very rude reaction. And these are people I love. Like I've spent my entire life with. And it was a wedding of someone who was very, very close to me. And just to see that that I'm not being able to be myself, it was the lowest point that I have faced. I would say that's when my psychosis was at peak. I didn't follow through with it, um, but I was close to uh, self-harm. Despite being in bad shape, Culpit was able to use the CBT he learned at CAMH to talk himself out of harming himself. Back in Toronto, Culpit started taking the antipsychotic medication Abilify. He says the voices have become less disturbing and more manageable. Still, he's got a long road ahead. So, overall, what's your mental health like these days? Um, currently, it's not the best um, because of motivation I'm finding it very difficult to motivate myself to be present and active in work and stuff so that is bumming me out because uh, I feel I have this responsibility on my shoulders to do well not only for myself but for the, for others as well you want to be an inspiration to others definitely you you got your your bachelor's degree in psychology. Yeah. Um, do you want to be a therapist? Yes. What kind? A psychotherapist that, um, and I also want to be dealing with patients mainly that have experienced psychosis. A, f- a friend of mine mentioned this uh, to me that uh, when I went to him for advice, he's a therapist himself because even he has psychosis, and he said that. You can be a wounded healer. And that stuck out to me. You can be somebody with lived experience. And having that 
is inspirational to somebody who's going through uh, who's going through a crisis. I would honestly love to do something like that. I'm so glad that you've spoken to me and uh, I've enjoyed speaking with you and and it was very brave of you to tell your story. Thank you. Thank you. Culpit's story is a compelling one that tracks with what I've seen as an ER physician. By themselves, anecdotes like this one don't prove high-dose cannabis causes psychosis. Still, a growing number of studies suggest that cannabis-induced psychosis is real. And researchers are hot on the trail. My name's Daniel Myron. I'm a family physician and public health physician. I'm an investigator with the Briere Research Institute and the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute and an associate professor of the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Ottawa. As a public health researcher, Dr. Myran uses population health data to better understand the burden of substance use, including cannabis. Dr. Daniel Myran, welcome to White Coat Blackheart. Thanks for having me on the show. You published two studies in the fall of 2023 looking at cannabis-induced psychosis. Let's hear about your research. How often are people showing up at uh, Ontario emergency departments with cannabis-induced psychosis? So we did a study where we said between 2014 and 2021, let's capture every emergency room visit in the province of Ontario for cannabis-induced psychosis. And we found that there was a 220% increase in these visits. And who's showing up the most? Is there a profile? Yeah, so it, it's, it's more male than female. Uh, and it's certainly, you know, individuals on the, the younger age spectrum. But some people uh, will do that and not get psychosis. This is not an inevitable reaction for everybody all the time. Most people who are using cannabis, the vast, vast majority are not ending up in the emergency room with an episode of cannabis-induced psychosis. So there, are, there is certainly, you know, an interplay of risk factors. I have heard it said that the, that the uh, cannabis that is available for, for, you know, commercially for sale right now is not your grandparents' cannabis. You know, one of the implications of this being not your, your grandparents' marijuana is that if, if your frame of reference is what people were smoking in the 60s, then you don't understand what's going on today. And I, I think that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, I, th- I think that if you look at the THC content, which has gone up by 10 to 20 fold since the 1960s and 80s to what's currently being sold, THC is the component of cannabis that seems to be most strongly correlated with the adverse mental health effects that can be seen and with the addiction potential. Uh, And the real concern is, is that as this product changes, and it really is changing, it is changing quickly, it has changed since we have legalized it, uh, do you start to see just very different adverse health effects from it? Cannabis is a very under-researched substance. Because of its illicit nature, we don't actually know that much about some of its health effects. And a lot of the evidence base that we have where we say, hey, this is what we think it does for depression or anxiety or psychosis comes from studies that have looked at a much lower potency. Your research has also focused on uh, an emergency room visit for cannabis-induced psychosis and how that can play out years later in a diagnosis of schizophrenia. What can you tell us about that? Someone who's shown up in eMERGE for cannabis-induced psychosis has 240 times the risk of developing schizophrenia within three years compared to the general population. 
and to give you some absolute numbers, if you have shown up, you've, it's, you've never been in contact with the health system before for psychosis or schizophrenia or a drug-induced psychosis, you show up and emerge with an episode of cannabis-induced psychosis, and within the next three years, 26% of those people will be diagnosed with a schizophrenia spectrum disorder compared to 0.1% in the general population. That's kind of the, you know, the average risk over a three-year period. And who are we talking about? How old? Are they men? Are they women? Yeah, you see really interesting variations by age and sex. So for example, for men aged 14 to 24, the risk of developing schizophrenia rises to over 40% wow. within three years. Uh, the older you, the older age groups have a lower risk. Uh, women uh, have a, age 14 to 24 have a 20% risk of developing schizophrenia within, within three years. So, you know, half that of men, but still a really, you know, one, one in five will be diagnosed with schizophrenia. Any idea why there might be a difference? There's thoughts that there's differences in how uh, brain development between men and women occur in the, in the risk of schizophrenia. You know, it's, it's very well established that the brains in men are slower to mature and finalize. And one of the thoughts about the risks of cannabis on the, the development of schizophrenia is that during periods of higher neuroplasticity or, or when the brain is still forming, that cannabis use changes the connections in the brain so that kind of women may be spared some of the risks of cannabis use because their brain is more, their brain structure is actually more uh, finalized during the periods of time that they might be using cannabis and they're less susceptible. The, the, the $64,000 question uh, is whether high potency cannabis causes schizophrenia or unmasks schizophrenia in people already at risk. I think it's quite clear, quite strong evidence that use of cannabis will mean that someone who is going to develop schizophrenia will start having symptoms earlier in life. Uh, so earlier onset of schizophrenia in these groups can really have very severe lifelong impacts on uh, their level of functioning and how they do in life. The greatest area of controversy is whether or not there are individuals who in the absence of cannabis use never would have developed schizophrenia, but because they used cannabis that they do. And the study that we did can't answer that question. That's some, you know, we show an association and it's a strong association. And, you know, there's a number of reasons to think that it's capturing a true effect. People have looked at this through a variety of ways, through genetic means, brain imaging study, animal studies, neurotransmitters. And all of the evidence does seem to converge on the idea that there is some causal component, that some number of people in the absence of using cannabis would not have developed schizophrenia. You know, from what you're saying, it, it, it's fair to suggest that if you are, you know, predestined to develop schizophrenia, developing it three years earlier when you're just starting university uh, could have a catastrophic impact on, on your ability to complete university and, and find a career and, and become established in a career. And you can legally buy cannabis at the age of 19 in, in most parts of, of Canada. And you've got this undercurrent of, of people who, you know, were regular users of, of cannabis dating back to the, to the 60s when it was lower potency saying it's benign. It's been around for ages. What's the fuss all about? What do you, what do you say to them? 
there is an argument for taking a precautionary approach here. You can say, look, we're not convinced that cannabis use actually causes schizophrenia. It seems very silly to risk this in the case of, especially in someone who has a, a strong history of mental health concerns, that the, that the safest thing to do is to delay use once you're out of kind of these more critical windows where it seems to confer the most risk. Uh, and that there's a pretty strong argument that youth should be using cannabis as late as they can uh, and waiting for their brain development to be complete, which is typically thought to be around 24 or 25. So I think that there's been a notion that uh, cannabis is legal and that, you know, things that are legal are are lower risk or relatively harm-free. Uh, and there's also conversations about how cannabis is a medicine. You know, cannabis has medical uses and you know, the, the actual medical, the evidence-based medical uses for cannabis is a very narrow uh, set of conditions. But when you have a, a notion that cannabis is medicinal, it's hard to hold in your mind that it also might be harmful. Dr. Daniel Myron, thank you so much for speaking with me. Thanks for having me on the show, Dr. Golden. I realize being a comedian is the best thing I can do for myself while experiencing a disease like psychosis. Because instead of thinking that people will laugh at me, why not actually make them do it? (laughs) Culpit Sharma believes he has seen those harms up close. He may have a sobering diagnosis, but a clear mind and comedy are his remedies for moving on with his life. I feel that the best way to tackle stigma is by owning it. The reason why I have no issue being on this show and talking about psychosis is because I own the fact that I have psychosis. What do you say to young people today who are experimenting with high-dose THC? Just really think about and research what it is that you're getting into. And if you can delay the use to a time in your life where you're more settled down, honestly, I would tell them that even if you do decide to ignore what I'm saying, just have a support system in place right now and just inform the people around you that hey I'm going to try this things might go south but at least I know I have you have my back just someone saying that I got your back mentally takes off so much stress and pressure off of you do you feel you have a support system most definitely my brother my parents uh, and the support I got from Cam H. Uh, I just want to say that if someone is listening to this who has psychosis, I got your back. Culpit Sharma is doing just that, a strategic advisor for the Cannabis and Psychosis Project, an online resource created by the Schizophrenia Society of Canada. And we've got your back, which means we'll be following closely the ongoing research looking into the links between cannabis and mental health disorders. That's our show this week. Our email address is whitecoat at cbc.ca. If you like this episode, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen. And check out our sister podcast, The Dose, where we ask the question, what should I know about today's cannabis? White Coat Black Art was produced this week by Jennifer Warren with help from Stephanie Dubois and Samir Chabra. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. Our digital producer is Ruby Buiza. And our digital writer this week is Jonathan Orr. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.